Our vision as the church is to be a community of committed and faithful followers of Jesus who live, love, and serve with passion and purpose. And some of you think, well, yeah, we already did that today. Look at that for a second. Community of committed and faithful followers of Jesus. A community of committed and faithful followers of Jesus. But in order for us to be a community of committed and faithful followers of Jesus who live, love, and serve with passion and purpose, we have to be made up of individuals who are committed and faithful followers of Jesus who live, love, and serve with passion and purpose. See, that's you and that's me. If we as individuals are not committed and faithful to Jesus Christ, if we as individuals are not committed and faithful to live, love, and serve Jesus Christ with all of our passion and all of our purpose, then we struggle to become a community of people who are committed and faithful followers of Jesus to live, love, and serve with passion and purpose in our community, the place where God has positioned us to live, love, and serve. So today we talk about community, but one other, two other words I want to really, really highlight this morning is passion and purpose. Passion and purpose. See, it's not just enough to say, I'm committed and faithful to Jesus. That is the starting place. That is essential. That's necessary that we all start at that place, committed and faithful to Jesus. That's when we step into the church and we truly start to understand what it means to live, love, and serve. But until we really step into those roles and we say, you know what, I truly am then going to take on this task of living and loving and serving with passion and purpose, we are missing out. We have in the past, and I hope to start them again, had something called a community growth track where we, we do three different sessions, Win 101, Win 201, and Win 301. The 101 class, we talk about our vision and our values. That is who we as a church are. Our 201 session, we talk about what it means to truly be committed and faithful to Jesus. And then in our 301, we really get into the... The meat, I think that's the, the, the most entertaining, the most exciting session of all three of them because we start to talk about what it means to, to have passions and individual purposes in life. And in that 301 class, we start by talking about three reference points in God's plan for our life. I want to talk about those very quickly this morning. Number one, God made you personally. Do you believe that? God made you personally. That means that God put a passion within you. He put something within you that's different, it's unique from everyone else around you. God made you personally. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 139, For you created my inmost being. Do you believe that to be true? God, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. The only way the psalmist could write that and respond that way to God is because the psalmist had come to a point in his life 
And he realized God has made me as a unique individual. God has knit me together long before I understood who I am. God knew who I was. God made you. God made me personal with a passion within us. Number two, God gifts you with spiritual gifts. God gives you a giftedness. Your giftedness is different than the giftedness of someone else. I'll talk about, we'll come back to this here in just a minute. You ever been jealous of somebody else's gifts? Somebody else's gifts? Yeah, you're not going to admit it. I have, but you know I'm going to admit whatever, right? Looking at somebody else, God, I don't understand why they're good at everything. It seems like they're good at everything. I want to be good at that. Ephesians 4, 7 reminds us that God has given each one of us a spiritual gift, a special gift through the generosity of Jesus Christ. God has given you a distinct gift, a special gift, a purpose in your life. And then the third, so God made you personally. God gives you spiritual gifts. Number three, God places you Opportunity. Sometimes they're Haiti, sometimes they're Washington, Indiana. God has placed you in a certain community, not only the community perhaps of Washington, Indiana, or Montgomery, Indiana, or Vincent, Indiana, but God, or, or uh, Plainville, Indiana. I'm trying to uh, cover all my bases here. But to say this, God also places you in a community of believers within a church. That's why I, I don't know how many times I've said it over the last 10 years. Is that the, the church, this local body, I haven't been here for 10 years, but this local body might not be for you. But you need to find a church where you can connect, a church that you can bless, and a church that can be a blessing to you. Because God places you in certain opportunities within a certain community. A reminder, Romans 8.28, we know. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Have you been called to a community? Have you been called to certain opportunities within your life? Colossians 1, 9 through 12, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will so that you may live a life worthy to the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God and giving joyful thanks to the Father. So we talk about these things, God, these three things. God has created you personally. God has gifted you individually. And God has placed you within certain community for his glory, for his purpose. Throughout the book of Joshua, where we've been these last few weeks, we've talked about the promised land, the promised land life, this life that God has called us to live right here, right now with him. One of the major themes in the book of Joshua is this. Know your territory and possess it. We can kind of sum up much of the book with that phrase. Know what your territory is and then possess it. Take ownership of it. Begin to cultivate that territory. Going through the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. The calling and commissioning of Joshua. God spoke to him specifically. Joshua chapter 2. The spies confirmed God's call. 
These words, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All of the people are in fear of us. This is a confirmation of what God had already said to Joshua. Chapter 3 records the entire Israelite community crossing over the Jordan River on dry ground, entering the land of Canaan, the promised land, to take possession of that land. Joshua chapter 4 and 5 is a reminder to stop, to remember, to consecrate, to set ourselves aside. Joshua chapter 6 and 7, the Israelites miraculously watch as the walls of Jericho crumble down around them. The Lord says to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hand. Joshua chapter 7 and 8, record the conquering of the city of Ai. Joshua chapter 9, 10, record the miraculous prayer of Joshua when the sun stood still so that they could win the battle. And then Joshua chapters 11 and 12 is a list of kings and kingdoms that had been conquered by the Israelites. You see, all of this, and we're only about halfway through the book of Joshua, more than halfway through this series, so rest assured of that. Halfway through the book of Joshua, the message is the same. Know your territory. Know your territory. Know your inheritance. Know what God is, how God has called you and commissioned you. The passions and purposes God has given to you. Know your territory and then possess it. Take ownership of it. Cultivate it. The conclusion of chapter 12 marks the end of phase one for the Israelites. Their first goal of the Israelites were to establish Israel, the nation of Israel, in the land of Canaan, the taking of the land, neutralizing the enemy armies and the kings, eliminating the major seats of authority that exist around Canaan. The list of conquered kings in chapter 12 proclaim this message loud and clear. The land is taken. The land has been taken. It's been conquered. The land is yours over and over and over again. God proclaims that. The land is yours. The land is yours. And then in chapter 12, this list of kings and kingdoms that have been conquered only confirm that. The land has been taken. And then the rest of the book of Joshua proclaims this message. Now take your land. The land is yours. Now take your land. Each tribe, beginning in chapter 13, each tribe is given a distinct territory to possess. A distinct area, a distinct assignment within the land of Canaan, within the promised land. The promised land inheritance, see, God was saying, it's for everyone. That promised land, the land of Canaan, this land flowing with milk and honey, that's for everyone. All of the Hebrews, all of God's people were welcomed into Canaan. The inheritance was universal. See, that's the truth for us as well. The, the, the inheritance that is ours in our Father God, the inheritance that comes to us through Jesus Christ, it is universal. It's for all of us, rich and poor, old and young. But, although the inheritance, the land, is universal, the assignments are individual. They're listed for us in detail in Joshua chapter 13 through 21. We're going to read that today, the 
nine chapters, Joshua 13 through 21, and that's what we're going to spend the next four hours doing. No, we're not going to do that. If you want, here's the thing, here's, the, here's what I want to tell you. If you are having trouble sleeping tonight, open your Bible, Joshua chapter 13, read through chapter 21. Read those nine chapters, they will put you right to sleep. No joke. Nine chapters, they make for a very dull, very boring account as Joshua reads about the various tribes and the various family groups, what they're going to inherit, the land, and their assignments. It makes for a very boring, very dull read, even to hear someone read it to you. It's not a very exciting thing unless you stand to inherit something. Unless you're waiting for your name to be called, right? And because each one of the, 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 the tribes of Israel stood to inherit something, because each one of the tribes and the family groups within the nation of Israel had a distinct assignment to carry out, they stood at attention as Joshua read every word of this inheritance. Each tribe was called forward. Each territory was different. Judah's land was large, but it was centralized, whereas Dan's land was much smaller, but on the coastal side of Canaan. The tribe of Levi, they didn't get any land at all. They had no land to possess. Instead, God was to be their inheritance. God himself was to be their inheritance. And their assignment, their task, was to lead the people in worship and to teach the law. So Joshua goes through all of these, and I really would invite you to look through Joshua 9, or 13 through 21 at some point. The message is this, over and over again, no one gets everything. No one gets everything, but everyone gets something. No one gets everything, but everyone gets something. So, here's your something, as Joshua read through. Here's your something, here's your land, here's your assignment. Now, go in, drive out any remaining enemies in your land. Build your farms, cultivate your land. Joshua's message to them is they hear about their assignment, they hear about their inheritance. His message is this, find your lot in life and live in it. See, and that's the message we need to hear as well this morning. Find your lot in life and live in it. Just as Joshua distributed the territory and the assignments to the Hebrew people, Jesus generously distributes territory to each and every one of us. Joshua said, tribe of Judah, take the high country. Manasseh, occupy the valleys. People of God, inhabit the land east of the Jordan. What Jesus says to us is, Joe, I want you to take your place in the field of medicine. Mary, your territory, I looked right at Mary when I said this. Mary, your territory is accounting. Terry, I want you, I, I, I've given you the gift of compassion. 
Whatever your territory, whatever your assignment is, Jesus has it uniquely designed for you. Your passion and your purpose is not by accident. So let's talk about that. Each one of us, we say find your lot in life and live in it. Each one of us have a territory to develop. Each one of us have a territory to develop. No matter how young you are, you have a territory right now to develop. Our elementary age kids, right? We send them off to school every day. I pray that, uh, that, that as parents and as grandparents, we're praying for our children as they're going off to these schools. There's a territory for, to, to, to be developed. Not only their territory, their minds are being developed every day, but they are a living witness of Jesus' love in our world today. Our junior high kids, our high school students, they have territory to develop. We, as adults, we have territory to be developed in our community today and far, far reaching due to the technology that we have in our world Today, each one of us, we have a territory to develop, a lot in life. We're called to carefully explore who we are. That is our passions. And we're called to explore the gifts, the abilities, the territory, the assignments. That is the purpose that we have to serve, that we've been given. And then we're called to sink ourselves into doing it for the glory of God. Here's what 1 Peter 4.11 says. If anyone ministers, if anyone ministers, and by the way, for your information, I hope this doesn't come as an alert to anyone, you're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're called to be a living witness. You're called to be a missionary in your world today. I'm going to pick on Matt and Megan just because they returned from Haiti, Right? They didn't stop being missionaries, no. They were just relocated, reassigned, so to speak. We must take on that mindset. We must know every morning when we wake up, every day that we step out our doors, we are to do this for the glory of God. We are ministers of the gospel. And if we fail to live that out, we are failing to live out our call and our commission from the Lord God. If anyone ministers... Do it as with the ability that God supplies. Do it with all of your passion and all of your purpose. Paul wrote in Galatians 6, 4, and 5. He said, don't compare yourselves with others. I'll just let that sink in for a minute. We live in a Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat world where we all just want to compare ourselves to everybody else. We're comparing our, the lowest moments of our life with everybody else's highlights, scanning through it. I wish my life looked like that. I wish my family was as happy as that. I wish I had what they have, right? It's a problem. Paul wrote, this is a problem many 
centuries ago. He said, do not compare yourself with others. Each one of you must take responsibility for doing the best you can with your own life. In conclusion, Paul says, be you. Serve your passion and your purpose, your passion. What do you love doing? What just stirs within your gut? Whenever you do it, it just makes you so excited when you hear that you have the opportunity to, 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 to live this way or to carry this out or to do this task. What just excites you? That's your passion. God has placed it within your heart. And by the way, we, as living in this, this great nation, we have a privilege. When I talk about passion, oh my goodness. We have a privilege that so many other people in other nations might never see. The question that we, probably all of us, ask our, uh, our kids or any child growing up, what do you want to be when you grow up? What we're asking them is, what are you passionate about? What stirs within your heart? Kids in other nations, we must realize this, kids in other nations, they don't get that question. It's like, what do you want to do when you grow up? Well, I want to keep living. That's a sad reality. There's some children in our country, and I mean, I don't mean to, you know, just broad stroke paint everyone. There's some children in our, our, our nation today, they don't get to decide what they do when they grow up. It's just, I, I, I want to survive. Alright, I didn't mean to depress you when I said that, but it's a reality. What are you passionate about? What stirs within you? What do you love doing? And then what's your purpose? What are you gifted to do? What are you really good at? What do other people come to you and say, you know what, you did this and I loved it. You're really good at that. Have you ever thought about doing that, you know, uh, have you ever thought about doing that to get paid? Have you ever thought about doing that full time? Have you ever thought about doing that, you know, to bless other people? What do you love doing and what are you very good at doing? Be you. Find your lot in life and live in it. Jesus himself was insistent on this. After the resurrection, we can read about this in John 21. After his resurrection, Jesus appeared to a number of disciples, a number of his followers, a number of believers in various places on various occasions. But one time, Jesus is sitting there with some of his closest disciples, and he looks over at Peter. We all know Peter, right? Okay, read about Peter. Oh, my goodness. Peter, ups and downs, highs and lows, Peter. Jesus looks at Peter, and Peter had had some very difficult days behind him. Jesus had forgiven him. Jesus had made sure that he knew he was still in good relationship with him. And then Jesus gives him an assignment. He gives him a ministry to carry out, a great responsibility. It's going to take some great sacrifice in Peter's life. And Jesus says to him, here's what I've got for you. Will you take it on? Peter responds to Jesus as if he had to learn all of his lessons already. Peter responds to Jesus. He looks at Jesus, and then he points to another gentleman. And he says, but what about him? Jesus, this, this is your assignment. This is the way you're going to change the world. You already told him that you're my rock. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. It's going to flourish. The gates of hell will not overcome it. Now, Peter, I need you to do this. And Peter says, what about him? Jesus looks at Peter as if, you know, come on, dense Peter, come on, you know, wake up, Peter, right? 
He said, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, if I want him to continue to live forever, Peter, if I want him to live until I return again, that's no business of yours. I just want you to keep on doing what I've called you to do. In other words, don't occupy yourself with somebody else's assignment. Don't occupy yourself with somebody else's territory. Don't occupy your, your time with somebody else's assignment. Focus on your own and stay focused on your own assignment. Find your lot in life and live in it. Stay in your own lane. Run your own race. Why? Because nothing good ever happens when you compare and you compete with somebody else. Listen, listen, listen. You are responsible for your own territory. I, I pray that's not the first time you've heard that. You are responsible for your own territory. This morning I said that in preparation for the message. I said, you are responsible for your own territory. As if I was going to preach it to you today, and when I said it, God struck me upside the head. You are responsible for your own territory. Stop comparing. Stop competing with other people. It doesn't matter what, what, what God calls them to do. It doesn't matter the passion that God has given to them. It doesn't matter the gift set that God has given to this person. It doesn't matter. This is your territory. Find it. Live in it. Cultivate it. Make it for the glory of the Lord God. We must all do that. So we get to the... Hebrews, living in the promised land. Joshua 13 through 21. Joshua's telling them about their inheritance. This is where you're called. This is your territory. This is what you're assigned to do. But then we find this. Many of the tribes didn't put their land to good use. They didn't put their territory to good use. Many of the tribes... <laughs> They didn't drive out their enemies. They didn't cultivate the land. Several of the tribes never even took possession of the land that God had given to them. They never even took possession of it. Seven of these, seven of these tribes, Joshua gets to the, he's reading about their inheritance, and you'd think, you'd think, you'd think these people would just be itching to go out and, you know, explore the land, and you get to go to the coastal region, you know, and you'd think that they just, let's go, come on, let's go find our land, let's go see what we have, and instead we find that seven of the tribes, they just stayed right there at the military camp. Joshua's reading about it, this is your land, this is your assignment, now go! You know what, I don't really want to go. We're good right here, we're comfortable. Now I don't, I don't know if they stayed because they were afraid, if they stayed simply because they were lazy and they were just comfortable sitting where they were, I don't know if they stayed because they didn't like the lot that God had given to them, the territory that God had entrusted to them, given to them as an inheritance. I, I, I really don't know. What I do know is this, that so often, so many of us, we don't go to that territory that God has given to us. We don't take possession of our inheritance out of fear. Well, I might find some opposition there. 
There might be people there that, God, you say, you know, just as, as the Israelites are supposed to drive out the enemy armies, God, there's some people there that I don't particularly agree with. So often we don't take possession of our land because we're afraid. So often we don't take possession of our land just because we'd rather sit around and watch Netflix. Netflix is good. There's some good shows on Netflix, right? You with me? Scanning through Facebook, whatever it is. Sometimes we don't take possession of our land because, or our territory, because we say, well, you know what, that's nice, but this is better. God, I want their territory. Except David got in trouble, right, King David? I want somebody else's territory. I don't, I don't like all that you've given to me, God. I want that. Whatever the case, listen to these words of Joshua, chapter 18, verse 3. He scolds these seven tribes. They're just sitting around the enemy or the, the, the army military camp. Here's what he says, Joshua 18, 3. Listen to these words. How long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord has given to you? Apply that to your own life. How long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord has given to you? God, why do I feel so unfulfilled? God, why do I feel like I'm not enough? God, why do I feel like my gifts are not as great as somebody else's? God, why do I feel... Like, I'm not flourishing. Like, you're not moving through me. Could it be, could it be that you're just not taking possession of the land, the exact territory, the inheritance, the lot that God has given to you? We must all find our lot in life and live in it. Father God, would you help us to do just that? It's difficult, God. You know that. You know how often we struggle. You know, Lord God, how often we compare and we contrast and we compete with others in the world today. But God, you call us to more than that. You call us, Lord Jesus, to our inheritance in your promised land. It's going to be different. It's going to be unique for each one of us. But Jesus... simply want to trust in you. And wherever we need to do that, God, would you speak, Holy Spirit, would you speak right now? Do a work that only you can do. A work, Lord Jesus, a, a movement that only your spirit can, can, can bring. Make it individual, Lord Jesus. As unique as each and every one of us are, as unique as each one of our territories are, Lord Jesus. God, would you bring to our mind right now, right now, Lord Jesus, the passions that we have in life. God, would you help us to realize the ways our passions and our purposes, what we love to do and what we are gifted to, how they intersect, Lord Jesus, and how through those intersections, Lord Jesus, we can bring great glory and praise and honor to your holy name, Jesus. Thank you. 
for your work in our life. We thank you, God, the inheritance that you've given to us. We pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.